Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On our visitor's edition today, we'll be joined by the radio play-by-play voice of Iowa football, Gary Dolphin. But first, my view from Section 17 to get us started. For just the third time this season, we leave the cozy confines of the big house and hit the road. Not just any road trip, either. Kinnick Stadium is one of the most unique stadiums in college football. The fans are right on top of the players, and it is loud. Over the years, we've seen some nail-biters at Kinnick. The 85 game that pitted number one against number two, we were driving late in the game and fumbled deep in Iowa territory. Iowa was out of timeouts, and there were about two minutes left on the clock. Chuck Long moved the Hawkeyes down the field, making some incredible clutch throws and got them in field goal range with just a few seconds on the clock. Rob Hutland hit the field goal, and Kinnick Stadium erupted. It was an incredible game, and I remember it well. So does our head coach. He was the quarterback for Michigan in that game. Another time in the 80s, Bo Schembechler in Michigan arrived for another visit at Kinnick Stadium and found Hayden Fry had the visitor's locker room painted pink. Hayden was a psychology major, and he believed that pink surroundings made those in the room passive. So Bo had his student trainers cover every nook and cranny of that locker room with paper so he didn't have to see that pink. There have been some great games, some great moments between these two teams, especially during the Hayden Fridays. A year ago, Iowa was 12-0, Big Ten West champs, and played Michigan State to the wire in the championship game. Kirk Ferentz was beloved again in Iowa and even had his contract extended. It was a great year. They were a click away from being in the playoffs. With 13 starters returning this year, the Iowa faithful expected a repeat. It hasn't played out that way. The offense can pound the ball at you and is physical, but they lack playmakers at the receiver positions. The defense has been very good until last week against Penn State, but even they have struggled with injuries and lack of depth. They need one win to get bowl eligible, and they are angry with the way they played last week. So I expect they'll come out and play us tough early in the game, but if we don't turn it over, stay focused, and match their intensity, we should wear them down. 
We haven't had a stumble yet this year, and I don't expect us to trip up this week. But it's a night game on the road against a team that is well-coached and will come to play. It's November, and it should be fun. Iowa radio play-by-play voice Gary Dolphin joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. with us on our visitor segment this week is the fine radio play-by-play voice of Iowa football, Gary Dolphin. Gary, great to uh, talk to you after a few years again. Yeah, Mike, it's been a while. Uh, I was talking with the Penn State uh, announcers over the weekend. It had been since like 2012 since the Hawks and the Nittany Lions had gotten together and uh, same same can be said for Michigan. Uh, you know, you miss the old traditional 100-year rivals, uh, but that is that is the new Big Ten. I mean, with expansion and yeah. Crossover games and and uh, you, you can't play uh, whatever it is eleven or twelve opponents a year in the league, so you you have to pick and choose year to year. And so it's good it's good to see uh, Iowa and Michigan get back together. It's 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 been a, a great storied history between these two, and uh, obviously a little extra this year with uh, Jim Harbaugh, who um, I don't know if he was born in Iowa City, but his first six or seven years were were spent in Iowa City. Uh, with his dad, Jack, on the Iowa staff. So uh, not that he has any lasting memories, but it'll be fun to have uh, Coach back in Iowa City. It will be, and it'll be uh, fun for Michigan fans uh, to take a trip to uh, Kinnick Stadium. It's uh, It just seems like a long time. I think the last time we played was the coldest uh, day ever recorded for an Iowa football game. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was uh, the, the, the first, there was a little sleet, then a snow, then I think rain, and uh, as I remember, that ball game came right down to the end uh, with uh, a quarterback, Michigan quarterback pass, knocked down in the end zone by an Iowa defensive back, um, and it was it was a close game throughout. But the, the elements had a lot to do with that. Oh, that was a nasty day. It's going to be a lot better this week from what we see uh, uh, the weatherman saying right now. So we're looking forward to it. Gary, uh, Hawkeyes lost to Penn State on Saturday night in Happy Valley, 41-14. to 14. I think uh, a lot of us didn't see that coming. Long night for the defense trying to slow down that Penn State zone read, wasn't it? It sure was. And, and uh, first off, number one, Penn State just executed beautifully. Uh, they hung, what, 599 yards on an Iowa defense that hadn't given up, just to put that in perspective, uh, that, that's the most yards on an Iowa defense since Kirk Ferentz's first year when, when Ron Dane in Wisconsin uh, went over the 600-yard mark on Ron Dane day up in uh, Madison. I bring that up because that was Ferentz's uh, uh, first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, I think the Hawkeyes were 1-10 his first year. And so, I, I, obviously, this is a much better Iowa team than 18 years ago, but it, it does illustrate 
that the Hawks uh, are not as strong as we thought they'd be in some areas. Despite and you know, they lost 21 seniors off that 12 and 0 regular season team a year ago, and won a lot of close games with the defense. But uh, so Penn State was outstanding. I mean, McSorley and Barkley, you guys saw him uh, them early in the year. Uh, they are that much better because the team is much healthier. They're much healthier on the defensive side of the football. But uh, it, it's been a, 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 a continuing problem, Mike, in that uh, the Hawks cannot get off the field defensively on third down, and they can't stay on the field offensively on third down. They're, they're not extending drives. So what happens? Uh, what was it, 11 more minutes in time of possession? I think Penn State had Wisconsin was 15 more minutes. I don't care what your defense is, is doing. If, if, if they're spending 10 to 15 minutes on average more on the field, they're going to wear down. And, uh, and and I say it was a, a 24-7 halftime game Saturday night, but uh, Iowa had moved the ball. They just weren't converting on third down. And so you had hope at least going into the second half, but then it became it became quite apparent that uh, the defense was uh, going to wear down because they just spent so much time on the field uh, given the uh, ineptitude of the offense. And as you mentioned, the defense has been great all year, averaging or giving up just over 18 points a game through uh, the first eight games. The offense, though, um, led by senior quarterback C.J. Beathard. When you look at his numbers, Gary, 136 for 227, for 1,584 yards, 59.9% completion rate, 13 TDs, five picks. So good numbers overall. In your estimation, Gary, what's going on with that offense? It's pretty simple in my estimation. Uh, you know, I don't know everything that's going on. I'm not in the daily meetings, but I can tell you this, that the, the passing game uh, is not there, uh, particularly on the receiving end. And, and that's been an issue, not necessarily this year uh, only, but, but uh, in years past, uh, C.J. Beathard or Jake Rudock or whoever the quarterback has been always has had one go-to guy on the outside and one go-to tight end. I mean, you know, I was history's with, uh, history with with tight ends, whether it's Marv Cook or Dallas Clark, uh, on and on. I was always produced great tight ends. Well, what happened this year was Matt Vandenberg, who led the team in receptions a year ago with 65 or 70 catches, uh, broke a bone in his foot in week four. And, and you knew right away that was going to limit Iowa's downfield throwing ability because they have uh, they have a true sophomore, they have a redshirt freshman, they've got a redshirt sophomore on the outside. They lost Tavon Smith and, and uh, Henry Krieger Coble, who was an All Big Ten tight end last year, and um, uh, they've they've lost other uh, good quality receivers, not superstar receivers certainly, but they lost they were hurt by graduation last year. So they the, the Hawks needed these young receivers to step up, led by Vandenberg. Well, Vandenberg goes down, and then their best tight end, George Kittle, uh, has a high ankle sprain or severe ankle sprain suffered in uh, the week before the Wisconsin game. So he's been limited for three weeks. Fortunately, the bye week was in there. But that put all the onus, uh, all the pressure, uh, all the demands on that uh, that vertical passing game that really has very little or no experience. So whether it's uh, uh, whether it's uh, the inability to separate from defenders, whether the speed isn't there, whether they're not running the right routes, uh, you know, is the protection adequate enough for, for Beathard to, to take a look downfield? I think it is. Uh, Iowa's offensive line is, is good. Now they lost, they've lost a lot of quality there the last two years, so they're rebuilding, retooling there, and they've had some injuries in the offensive line. But I, I think it's more on the, on the boundary line receivers' uh, inability to get down the field to, uh, uh, to separate and 
and and therefore for CJ to, you know, extend the play. Uh, the the other issue, uh, opposing defenses know that. So two things: they they load eight nine guys in the box consistently to stop Iowa's strength, which is Akram Wadley and and Lashawn Daniels, the the two terrific tailbacks. You know, they've got. Uh, uh, a dozen plus touchdowns and 1,200 yards rushing between the two of them. One's a downhill runner, the other's a, a speedster, and and very, very, very good. Uh, and and they're daring the uh, outside receivers to beat uh, opposing defensive backs. As we're, uh, backs, we're seeing a lot of single coverage, a lot of press coverage, and uh, and and the other component there is uh, the, the opposing defenses are blitzing, if not every snap, uh, every second or third snap, and and so it's it's created some havoc with the offense. And there's really nowhere to go, Mike. They've got to play their way through it. These guys have to mature, and and uh, the coaches have to coach them up. And uh, we'll go from there. But it's, it's certainly not going to be easy from here on out. No, it's not something you can fix at this point of the year. Before the season started, Gary, the expectations were so high. Iowa fans very excited about 13 starters coming back. And, of course, the way last year ended. I was reading on Hawkeye Report over the weekend, though, that when looking at this season, I see a lot of uh, Iowa fans saying that loss to North Dakota State in September was the turning point psychologically for this team, that they think in some way the team never got over that. Do you buy into that? I do not. Uh, I I, I think uh, you have to look at the big picture. Uh, Iowa's uh, defensive front. Uh, and, and to a certain extent, the, the linebackers and the safeties, they, they got new safeties back there. One's a first-year starter, the other's a sophomore. Uh, they, they were having issues uh, stopping the inside run. And you know, and I pointed out to people that, look, North Dakota State's won five consecutive national championships. They, they don't, they're, they're a lot like Iowa and Wisconsin. They come in and run the football. Their, their linemen are all over 300 pounds. And as you know, Mike, the difference between FCS and FBS is 20 scholarships. So they got 65 guys on, on full-ride scholarships. So they're, they're pretty Pretty good. I don't care what level you're playing at. When you win five straight national championships, you got a heck of a program going. And and they won the turnover battle. And Iowa had nine penalties that day. But that that loss aside, the, the Hawkeyes still had all of their goals in front of them, which was uh, win the West Division, uh, defend the title in the West Division championship, and uh, you know hopefully get to Indianapolis again for uh, redemption after the Michigan State game a year ago. To me, uh, the big loss was Northwestern at home. Northwestern came in and, and put together in a second half uh, after Iowa had built the lead to a touchdown. Northwestern uh, went on three consecutive drives of 75-plus yards for touchdowns, and that's something we had not seen uh, an Iowa defense give up. Uh, and Northwestern hung 38 points on Iowa in their own building. That, to me, was the telling loss that uh, not necessarily started uh, this uh, downhill momentum against Iowa, but certainly uh, served notice that there were some some issues beyond what anybody saw coming. Uh, After that, the defense got better. You pointed out the numbers, 18 points allowed per game. They got much better against the run. Uh, And then the last couple weeks with Wisconsin and and, uh, and, uh, Penn State come along where, uh, call it injuries, call it inability, of the receivers to, to make plays, uh, it's, it's just kind of snowballed from there. But I, to me, the Northwestern loss was much more uh, of a pain, uh, painful experience in North Dakota State. Well, the defense is certainly the uh, strength of this Iowa team, and we all know about corner Desmond King. But talk about some of the other key players we're going to be seeing on that side of the ball for the Hawkeyes on Saturday night. 
the other corner is really good too. Greg Maben, uh, you know, Greg's been criticized uh, uh, in social media and in the in the in the media because uh, uh, because uh, they're not throwing at Desmond King now. Desmond got got caught looking in the backfield Saturday night and got beat over the top for a touchdown. But that's really the first major mistake he's made all year. The, you know, the young man from Detroit has been a phenomenal football player for Iowa. The bottom line this year is teams aren't throwing his way. Uh, they're throwing Greg Maben's way, but he's a senior from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, he's really a good football player and a good cover man. And, you know, the Iowa coaches think he'll be playing on Sunday afternoon starting next year with King. You know, up front, uh, getting better, uh, not there yet. Uh, they've got two young defensive ends. Drew Ott and Nate Meyer were all Big Ten uh, for the last couple of years. They've graduated. And so they're breaking in new new defensive ends, and that's been another real issue. A sore point is uh, outside contain. Uh, they, they did a terrible job of containing Saturday night, and that has been an issue. Uh, teams getting to the outside uh, and, and hurting Iowa with uh, big conversions, whether it be second down or third down. Uh, so that that's an issue with the defensive ends. Uh, the linebackers are solid for the most part. The safeties, uh, I mentioned the two young guys, they're getting better. But there's no question that, uh, to me, the, the strength of the uh, – Iowa defense is is a tackle where Jalil Johnson has been a, a real run stuffer all year. He's the biggest guy on the team at 310 pounds. He's quick. You know, he's a high school All-American coming out of Chicago. Uh, he's really blossomed into a quality defensive tackle. And then in the back end at, at the corners. Um, uh, but but there are, there are enough uh, uh, Achilles heel issues uh, with the defense, and we've seen it the last couple of weeks, where uh, as a unit they're just not playing re- very well right now. Well, with us here on our visitor segment this week is the uh, play-by-play voice of Iowa football, Gary Dolphin, talking about what's happened to this Iowa football team so far in the season. And Gary, it seems every few years we read and we hear Coach Ferentz is on the hot seat. Last year, that was uh, the talk before the season. And then Iowa goes out and has a great year, wins the West, loses a tight one to Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game. Coach gets an extension. For a man that's accomplished an awful lot in his over 17 years there at Iowa, he just doesn't seem to get that love from the Iowa faithful, does he? I think uh, when you're experiencing a season like this, and uh, what was it, seven and six a couple of years ago before the before the Rose Bowl run, uh, you know, Iowa is a school where, uh, or at least uh, Coach Ferentz's system is a system at a school where you you have to recruit uh, the three and four stars because they just don't get many five stars, and then coach them up. So they they really rely on a, on Iowa being a developmental school, and you know over 18 years the proof's in the pudding. He's done a phenomenal job at it. He's national coach of the year twice. He's Big Ten coach of the year four times. You know three I think three Big Ten titles. Uh, uh, I don't know how many BCS bowls, but when you, when you look uh, on balance, uh, it, it, the product has been really, really good and and very consistent uh, for Coach Ferentz. Uh, so, but but uh, Iowa fans are like any other fan base, Mike, as you know. When you uh, when you tease them with a with a 12 and 0 uh, or 12 and 2 season, or you, you or you go to an Orange Bowl here and a and a and a uh, you know Rose Bowl there. They they expect that bar to be at that level every year, and it's just not realistic. And you know, fans are fans. I, I get that, and nobody's happy with the way it's trending right now uh, with Iowa football because there were great expectations coming off the Rose Bowl year. But uh, you know, a couple things: Kirk Ferentz is not going to change philosophically. Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Carr never changed philosophically either, and uh, you know, they tried several coaches after Lloyd, uh, which which didn't uh, work out to uh, at least a Michigan fans' liking. Uh, but uh, at Iowa, it's, it's a different uh, it's a different nugget it's a different bird where uh, I, I think the expectation should be if uh, 
I think the over and under that I read one, one place was eight and a half wins this season. I, I think that's fair that uh, more years than not, uh, the Hawkeyes should be in that eight to nine win category. And, and, and that is, that is really good given it's the, the smallest populated state in, in, in the uh, big 10. It's the smallest public institution in the big 10. They have to recruit nationwide and uh, you know, if they miss out on some guys, then you're going to have a year like this. And so we'll see going forward. Obviously coach Ferentz uh, has, has, he's seen this act before mm-hmm. uh, he knows how to fix things. Uh, uh, he's, there's not going to be a, a, a tremendous disruption in staff or player personnel changes. I don't see that coming. They'll just keep doing what they're used to doing, and and uh, they they feel that that will fix the problem. But uh, you know, in the end, it, it, the players have to play. They have to execute. And if they're not, then then we're going to see what we're seeing right now. Well, Gary, Saturday's performance against Penn State disappointing. This week's game back home at Kinnick Stadium. It's prime time. Number two, Michigan in town. And Michigan fans like me that have been around for a while can tell you Kinnick is one of the loudest and craziest places uh, to play, uh, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. Uh, it's just a very tough venue uh, to take on Iowa. They're a different team there. No question. Uh, and I think you could say that about any venue in the Big Ten, uh, uh, Mike. I, I just think, uh, you know, even when Michigan uh, wasn't having the kind of year that Michigan fans expected, that the media expect up in Ann Arbor, uh, they were still extremely competitive and more often than not won, won their home games. Uh, Kinnick Stadium is no different, although a lot smaller than the Big House. But I think at, at Kinnick, what you have uh, that, that is really unique is that it's one of the few uh, 80, 85-year-old, whatever it is, 1928 or 29 when it was built, it's one of the few uh, old brick facades in the country in college football remaining that doesn't have a track around it. Mo- most of the older stadiums had uh, six or eight-lane tracks built because uh, it was uh, economically uh, uh, responsible back in the day. Uh, uh, Kinnick Stadium doesn't have that, and, and that, you know, to your listeners may may not seem like much, but uh, the fans are 15 feet from the sidelines uh, on both both Michigan and, and Iowa sidelines Saturday night, so they're right on top of you. And Norm Parker, who uh, God rest his soul, who was Iowa's outstanding defensive coordinator for many years, used to coach with George Perlis, as you know, at Michigan mm-hmm. State under those great teams. And he told me one time uh, he hated to come to Iowa City because if you didn't have beer splashed on you because you were so close to the first rows of the seats, you'd turn around and you'd hear things that you normally don't hear. And he said, I'd see all these deep deer hunters in orange outfits. And so the atmosphere can get a little rowdy. Uh, Iowa doesn't play a lot of night games. But this one will be special because uh, of Coach Harbaugh uh, returned to Iowa City. Michigan's ranked number two, and deservedly so, at nine and zero and and undefeated. And so there, there's plenty to play for. But uh, you know, on paper, this is a mismatch unless Iowa improves vastly over last Saturday night. But you're right. Uh, under the lights, it, it's it's a great uh, you know seventy thousand seat stadium, and it'll be uh, despite what happened last week. It'll be it'll be roaring on Saturday. Oh, absolutely! I got to tell you, I remember a story from I think it was nineteen eighty nine. 1981, our legendary radio guy, Bob Eufer, we were playing there uh, at Kinnick, and it was so loud during the Hayden Friday, so the Hawkeyes were ahead, and it was so loud you could hardly hear Bob Eufer. 
and he said, God, I love this place. He said, they, <laughs> they, des- they designed a stadium and they left a little bit of room for a football field. And <laughs> I thought that That's was a great, great description. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bob was, uh, Bob was one of my heroes when I was a young broadcaster too. And I, I know uh, Jimmy and, and, uh, and Dan uh, Deerdorf will, will love it uh, because, you know, they're throwbacks and uh, Hayden Fry, you know, maybe uh, if it isn't the most storied game in Iowa football history, it's, it's certainly top two or three uh, is the, the game that Harbaugh quarterbacked in mm-hmm. 1985 when it was, as you remember, number one versus uh, number two. And oh, Chuck yeah. Long was, uh, and Ronnie Harmon and uh, Iowa had the, uh, the, that great, great team. And Michigan came in here with an outstanding team. And, and it came down to Rob Hotland's field goal as time expired to preserve the win for Iowa to, to get the victory. And, 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 uh, People, I'm sure in both places, still talk about that game. But uh, those stadiums, whether it's the big house or, uh, you know, to a lesser degree in Iowa City, uh, always seem to produce at least once a year uh, a monumental uh, happening. And uh, and hopefully we'll see a great game on Saturday night, regardless of who you're pulling for. In that game you mentioned, that was a great game. I still remember the cover of Sports Illustrated the next week. It showed the uh, the ball going through the uprights and all the fans and the players with their, their uh, arms up. The title said uh, Iowa gets a kick out of Michigan. Iowa historically hasn't doesn't have a ton of wins, as you know, over uh, the great Michigan program. So they 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 treasure and cherish uh, every one. You know, they, but but it wasn't just the field goal. If you remember, uh, or Michigan fans will remember, uh, Chuck Long uh, converting a, a, a truckload of third downs with uh, either one or no timeouts left. I think they had the well, obviously they had the one timeout left to uh, for the uh, for the uh, field goal. But but Chuck had to preserve that timeout take Iowa down the field. I remember Larry Station, the great middle linebacker, uh, stopping uh, the Michigan tailback. I can't remember. Uh, I'm l- losing my mind here. I can't remember who the, the tailback was at the time, but on third and two, uh, 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 Station shot the gap and, and knocked him down for a loss. Otherwise, Michigan would have been able to run the clock out. And so there were a lot of twists and turns uh, in that game, and just one of the many memories of, of Michigan-Iowa. Well, final thought, Gary. Uh, as we know, every game is another opportunity to improve, uh, make up for a poor performance the week before, like Iowa had this past weekend against Penn state hawkeyes need to rebound they need to get bowl eligible they need one more win we're not going to see the same iowa team that played at penn state on saturday when this season started i had a big x on the calendar for this game a night game for michigan because we all expected it to be a huge game in the big 10 but it still means a lot to iowa fans doesn't it gary it really does uh, off several points you mentioned which was uh, what most notably to become bowl eligible iowa's uh, been bowl eligible 14 of the last 15 years and have really played some quality opponents in quality bowl games and and, and that's first and foremost obviously the uh, you know the west division crown is is uh, uh, is not going to be repeated now they're not going to be able to defend their title because of uh, the very least of which would be tiebreakers, which now uh, 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 Wisconsin and Northwestern have on the Hawkeyes. They still have to play Nebraska, but uh, there's plenty. You know, if I'm if I'm an Iowa football player, Mike, I'm 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 practicing mad this week. I'm going to play mad Saturday because of what happened on national television Saturday night. That's not the true Iowa football team. Uh, I, I think anybody would agree uh, that that uh, played Saturday night. And and you know, do you have those days? Yeah. I mean, you're not happy with it, but uh, you, you you try to limit those kinds of performances. And so I'm 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 guessing the coaches will have the players. 
attention. Uh, if for no other reason, they're playing a great Michigan team, the number two ranked team uh, in the country, and deservedly so, an undefeated team. Uh, what would look better on your resume than, than knocking off a quality uh, historic program that is fighting for the college football playoffs? So there's plenty to play for, but as you know, when the lights go on and, and the clock starts counting, you got to go execute. And, and uh, if they don't execute, they'll get beat. They know that, but it should be fun. Uh, certainly the uh, first quarter and a half, it'll be interesting to see uh, which way uh, momentum Big Mo swings. And, uh, and and as you know, Mike, that football is shaped for a reason uh, the way it is. is turnovers always seem to, uh, to rear their head uh, in every big game, and, and I expect turnovers to be a factor again on Saturday. Absolutely. A lot we don't know about what's going to happen Saturday night, but we know it's a big national TV game, great atmosphere at Kinnick Stadium, and it's going to be a rocking good time. Our guest here on our visitor segment this week, getting ready for the trip to Iowa this Saturday night, their fine radio play-by-play voice, Gary Dolphin. And as we said at the top, Gary, it's been a long time, but we look forward to our next visit. As I will, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today. Once again, no injuries of consequence coming out of the Maryland game. We are in good shape for Week 10. Here are a few game day notes. Michigan leads this series with 41 wins, while Iowa has won 14 times, and there have been four ties. The last meeting between these two teams was in 2013 at Iowa, a 24-21 victory for the Hawkeyes. Coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 18th year at Iowa. His record is 132-91. and 91. Iowa won the Big Ten West and almost brought down Sparty in the Big Ten Championship game last year. They were pounded by Stanford in the Rose Bowl to end the season 45-16. The weatherman says temps will be in the 50s on Saturday night and it should be dry. Kickoff is at 8 p.m. on ABC. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. We can also be heard weekly now on iHeartRadio. My phone lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. I would enjoy hearing from you. You can also email me at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. FireFan is the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about for weeks. It's free and will soon be available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. It will change the way we watch our favorite teams. With FireFan, you are not only an observer, but a participant. There is still time to find out what FireFan is all about before it goes live in a few weeks. To register or get a sneak peek, email first at yahoo.com and leave your cell number. That's first at yahoo.com and make sure you leave a cell number. FireFan is taking interactive sports gaming to the next level. Find out why. Next week, we're back in the big house for the last home game of the year, which is so hard to believe. 
On Tuesday's Game Day edition, we'll be joined by either Jamie Morris or Mark Snyder from the Detroit Free Press. We just have to see who's available. Then on Thursday's Visitor's Edition, my guest will be the legendary radio voice of Hoosier football and basketball, Don Fisher. So make sure you join us for both of those shows. That will do it for our Visitor's Edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Enjoy our Saturday night primetime game, and let's hope we come out fast and put these guys away. Until next week, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!